Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Earlier this week, Ty and I got a call to go help Robert McLean, and, and he, he said, I, I got something that we're, we're going to try. <laughs> when Robert says, I got something we're going to try, if he hadn't tried it yet, it scares me. And so, anyway, me and Ty and Brett, we, uh, we went out there and unloaded about 9 o'clock in the morning and, and got saddled up, and, and we got to the first gate. And, and if, you go, if you go with Robert, you know, he, he don't take a trailer anywhere except to Patty Ann's. Okay, you don't take it anywhere to the ranch. You go long trot everywhere you go. And so you long trot all the way across the ranch to gather this part of the ranch, and you push them all the way across the ranch to this part, and then you got to ride home. And so uh, he told me, he's, well, he told us, we get to the first gate, and he goes, which one of y'all cowboys is feeling adventurous? So we, got, we turned around and put our horses back in the trailer, and we left. No, we didn't do that. We didn't do that, but we looked at each other like, oh, crap, you know. And so, anyway, he said, we got a long ride today. Who wants to take the outside? And I was about to volunteer, and Ty said, well, Kevin's the only one on a colt. Let's let him have it. Okay. <laughs> iron sharpening iron, right? <laughs> Kevin's the only one on a colt. Let's let him. But, you know, that, that's what happens. I mean, if you are on a colt and you are capable of doing it, Man, you want to put miles on these colts, you know? You, there's only so much you can do going in a circle in a little round pen. Nothing's better for a young horse than to just get out and long trot for about five hours. And, and, and that's really what we did. And, you know, when you take the outside, man, there, there's kind of something special about that because here's three cowboys saying, man, we trust you enough to let you go on the outside. Because when you take the outside, you're going to go further. You're going to ride harder. And, you know, they're, they're, you're going to be looking at everybody else while everybody else is, you know, walking their horse. You know, and you're out there going 100 miles an hour or trying to. And, and, and this colt, uh, Ty started, it's Christy's mare, my wife's mare. And, and I put the first ride on her and then gave her over to Ty. And Ty did a great job. And then Abe took her and, and he did a really good job. And she, she, she's just doing really good for, the, for what she's done. And she's real eager. And, you know, we cross, a, we cross the creek and we get going. And, you know, when you split off, it's kind of a, a weird time on a colt because you never know how they're going to act with all the horses going this way and you go this way. Man, she just put her head down, and here we went. And that lasted great for about 30 yards. And then she's like, she just stopped. And I had to pedal her. Now, she hadn't been rode a lot because I had, you know, two surgeries on my arm and, and all of this stuff. So I haven't ridden her like I should. And so uh, she didn't do nothing bad. But if you quit pedaling, I mean, she would be at a trot, and you quit, you quit gigging her, and she just... And we just stand out there in the pasture. I literally tried it just to see if it would work. And it did. She just stood there. So I had to pedal her for the next four hours and 50 minutes. She, uh, she did great. She didn't do anything wrong. But by the time it was over, I had both butt cheeks cramping so bad in the saddle. Because I, I think it would have been easier on my body had I ridden a bicycle. Up and down hills and everything. I was so, I'm, I'm just now getting to where I'm not kind of whining about it. I mean, I would never whine about it to y'all. I mean, just to my wife, you know. Rub my legs. <laughs> she said, yeah, whatever. 
You got yourself into that wreck, cowboy. Cowboy up. I hate that, by the way. Don't say yee-haw, cowboy up. Nobody, cowboys don't say that. Okay? So anyway, when you take the outside, man, you, you're going to go further. You're going to go harder. And, and there's going to be times that you want to quit. You get tired or your horse gets tired. But, but you, you just got to keep going. And today we're going to use that as an illustration about God's blessings. Because we're going to look at the life of one of the patriarchs, which is a really fancy word of, of, of the Jewish forefathers. Of, you, know, you remember Abraham left the land, uh, left his hometown and, and, and moved out to the land that God was going to give his ancestors. And Abraham didn't have no kids, but, but later on God gave his, his wife a, a son and, and they named him Isaac. And then Isaac kind of grew up and, and, and he married a, a lady that couldn't have any kids until a lot later. And, and then she had twins, and uh, it was Jacob and Esau. Esau was actually the older one, okay? So, so this is Isaac's kids, Jacob and Esau. And we're going to look at the life of Jacob and how to receive God's blessings. And this isn't an algorithmic deal. It's just that we can look at a life and see what God blessed back then and maybe draw a conclusion that if we do some of these same things, that God will bless us also. We can see an idea of what God is willing to bless. Now, when, when, uh, when Isaac was getting old, he started going blind. Okay, now Esau and Jacob were, were, were twins. They wasn't identical twins. Esau was real hairy and he was kind of a man's man. You know what I mean? He'd go out there and shoot a bow and climb hills and kill dragons. I don't know what he did, you know, but he's just manly man, right? And, and Jake, I, Jacob, I, I call him Jake, uh, Jacob was, was like more like a cowboy. He kind of stuck around home, tended to the sheep and goats and, and stuff like that. And, and Isaac actually liked Esau better. I mean, he was a manly man. You know, we, even today, we look at people that are big and strong and, and play football or, you know, can have got 42 world titles in, in, in rodeo or something like that, and we really look up to them. But that wasn't Jacob. Okay, J Jacob was just, you know, kind of a little herdsman guy. You know, he kind of stuck close to home. But uh, when it came time, one time... Uh, Esau had been out, and I guess he'd been slaying dragons or something. I, I don't know, but he was he's real hungry. And he came back, and Esau was kind of a worldly fella, and he was only looking at, like, the next three seconds. Anybody else like that? You know, it doesn't really matter what's going on. It's just whatever is going on right here and now, that was Esau. So he come in one day, and he was, he was all kinds of hungry, right? And, and I guess old Jake, he, he'd come in from the fields of watching the sheep and goats, and I guess he's making him some sheep stew. Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> Ty's gagging over here, <laughs> sheep stew, with some beans in it, huh? <laughs> he doesn't like beans either. <laughs> First time I ever I invited him over to the house to eat, I had a big old plate of beans. He just, <laughs> he did, he ate them. If he'd have served me tomatoes, I'd have said, uh-uh, ain't happening. But anyway, so, so Esau comes in, and Jake's, uh, Jake's fixing some, you know, some sheep stew or something like that. And he's like, i got to have something to eat. I'm about to die. Esau might be just a little bit dramatic, you know. I don't know. Nobody, none of y'all are dramatic. I know that. I'm not dramatic. And um, so he comes in, and he's like, give me something to eat. I'm about to die. 
<laughs> so Jacob, he, he doesn't just look at the near future. He kind of looks further out, kind of, he's got kind of that planning mind. He's like, give me your birthright. Now, back then, you know, uh, whoever was the firstborn, man, they got everything. He's like, give me your birthright. He goes, give me some date. He goes, give me your birthright. He goes, okay, fine. I'll give you my birthright. <laughs> Jake's like, cool. Here's you some sheep stew. And so he eats it, right? And, and then later on, Isaac is fixing to give the family blessing. It was kind of a way to pass on a lineage. It, it's, it's kind of the inheritance or something. And it was usually reserved for the, for the firstborn. So Isaac, he's blind now, and he's like, hey, Esau, come here. So Esau goes in there, and he goes, my son, go out there and kill me some wild game like you've done your whole life that I love and make my favorite dish so that I can give you my blessing. Esau's like, great. So he grabs his bow and arrow or whatever he uses, and he goes out there to, to do that. And, and Rebecca, that's Isaac's wife and Jacob's mama, hears this. But see, Esau had married two Hittite women. And these Hittite women were kind of causing some problems in the household. Now, I know none of y'all ever have no family squabbles or nothing. All y'all's families is perfect. You don't know what it's like having those family squabbles. But Rebecca was about sick of it, okay? So she wanted everything to go to Jacob because Jacob was her favorite. Isaac was, or Esau was Isaac's favorite. And so she hatched this plan with Jake to get him the blessing. She's like, okay, go out there. We're going to kill a goat. I'm going to fix the meal. We're going to put the goat skin over your arm because Esau's all hairy and you're not. And we're going to trick Isaac into giving you the blessing. So it works. Isaac is a little confused. He's like, are you sure this is Esau? Yes, this is Esau. I don't know. That. I mean, that's kind of how I picture it, you know. And so Jake tricked Isaac into blessing him before he died. This is what Isaac said in Genesis chapter 27, 28 and 29. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you an abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. I just saw about four women just grin. Not box wine. This is a different kind of wine. From the, from the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants and may, the, may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. Man, you want to talk about a daddy giving a son something, man. That is cool right there. And I think we have missed out on, on, on blessing. That, that now we, we reserve it. Last week we talked about worship and how worship actually means sacrifice, but we've turned it into music. And now if we say, well, you want to give the blessing, man, all we do is say, yeah, good beans, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. We, we, we reserved blessing for, for a small prayer before a meal. Man, there's something drastically different between a, a, a prayer before a meal and this. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. This is powerful stuff, and it's still available today. We can bless people. It's not our power that does it, but we're speaking life into people. But yet, now, blessings have become something before a meal. There's powerful stuff in this, in blessing people and having people bless us. I'll be really honest with you. I, I met with, a, uh, I was with some friends, and, and we went to this Catholic priest's parsonage, and we were talking to him about a mission over in Syria and seeing if we could help him and everything. And, and he leaned over to me, and he goes, he goes, 
my son, will you bless me, please? I mean, there's a Catholic priest asking this cowboy preacher to bless him. And I'm going to be really honest, I didn't really know what to do. Because I had never really studied blessing. But it's amazing the life and the energy and the faith that we can speak into people when we talk like this and when we truly want somebody to succeed, when we're not just focused on ourselves. The lesson that we can learn from, the, from Isaac's blessing on Jake is that in order to be blessed, you've got to take the outside and go further. Because see, Esau, man, he could have had it all, but he was too short-sighted. He only worried about his belly, and, and you know, he wanted two Hittite wives and, and all of this other stuff. But Jake, man, he could see long-term. He wanted Isaac's blessing because he knew that it may be hard right now, but in the long run, Isaac's blessing would mean more than anything. To have his father's blessing, and then Esau comes in later, and he's like, got the, you know, got the elk on the back of his shoulder carrying the whole thing or something. And he starts cooking Isaac's meal, and he goes in there, and he's like, all right, I'm ready for my blessing. And Isaac's like, what? I already gave it. I guess Jake tricked us. He goes, don't you have two blessings? And he said, no, I don't. I only have one blessing to give, and I already gave it to Jake, and it will stand. Well, now Esau and, <laughs> Esau and Jake's got a problem. But in order to be blessed, you've got to take the outside and go further. You have to be long-sighted, not just what's going to happen right now. Set your eyes on long-term fulfillment, not short-term satisfaction, but I'm going, to be, I'm going to go out on a limb because I think a lot of y'all are like me, and a lot of time we look for short-term satisfaction instead of long-term fulfillment. Short-term satisfaction can always be found in worldly stuff, but it always makes you feel worse later, but... Finding that long-term fulfillment in your relationship with God will pay off dividends, not just in the long term, but how about we talk about eternity? In order to be blessed, you've got to take the outside and go further. You've got to be long-sighted. See, worldliness is attractive to the blind. Man, big, big, strong guys that go out and hunt and fish and everything, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, man. I kind of like to do that stuff too. But worldliness is attractive to the blind. But those that are spiritual and those that care for others... Those are attractive and blessed by God. God finds that attractive. He doesn't look, and it goes later on in the Bible, it talks about how Saul, the first king of Israel, is big and strong and everything, and everybody thinks, oh, it's a king. And then later on, God anoints David, little bitty old scrawny cowboy, to be the next king over Israel. See, God looks at our hearts, and he looks at your hearts too. In order to be blessed, you've got to take the outside and go further. Now, when, when, when Esau finds out that Jake has stolen everything, he, he's, he's pretty mad, okay? And so Rebecca, that's Jake and Esau's mama, she says, hey, Jake, man, you got to get out of here. Go to my brother Laban. He lives like 500 miles, okay? Now, he ain't taking southwestern frontier, okay? He's hoofing it. 500 miles to go see his uncle because his mama said, go find your uncle and marry your cousin. I know that sounds weird, but this is, there wasn't a whole lot of people back then, okay? They did things a little different, all right? So Jake, man, he hoofs it for 500 miles, and he finds his uncle who's got a bunch of sheep and goats, which kind of seems like that's what people did back then. They had a bunch of sheep and goats. And so Anyway, he's talking to him. He's like, hey, y'all know Laban? They're like, yeah, we know Laban. Man, we work for the dude. And he's like, great, man. I'm his, I'm his nephew, and I'm here to marry my cousin. I, I don't know. It sounds weird. But anyway, that's what's happening. And so all of a sudden, this, this, this shiny chick comes walking up. She's got a bunch of sheep and goats, right? And it's, and it's Rachel. 
and Rachel is shining. And I love the Bible because Jake kisses her that day. I'm like, man, this guy ain't wasting no time. And he's like, man, I love you already. I'm going to kiss you. And, and he does love her already because Laban gives him a job. And in order to get Rachel to be able to marry Rachel, Jake don't have nothing to pay like a dowry, you know, like they did back then. So he tells Laban, he said, man, I'll work for you for seven years, and then you give me Rachel. He's like, done. So Jake works for seven years with sheep. That's, that's love, right? That is love. We're not talking about Angus cattle. We're talking about sheep and goats. And after seven years, Laban's like, man, you can have Rachel now. Party time. Everything's good. Wedding night. Everybody's getting married. Jake goes to his tent. Rachel comes in, but it ain't Rachel. It's Leah, her older sister. Now, it's dark, man. They got the lights turned down low. It's wedding night, right? Well, I mean, they're sisters. Somehow, he figures out the next morning that he's been duped. He married Leah, not Rachel, because, I mean, they must have had the little veil on or something like that, made her look all spiffy. Marries Leah. So Jake goes out to Laban. He's like, hey, man, what'd you do, man? I've been working for... I'm sorry, but none of y'all probably worked seven years for your wife and then was duped on the wedding night, okay? That's probably never happened to nobody else, but it happened to Jake. And, and Laban's like, man, you got to understand, it ain't, it ain't really our culture to give the younger daughter before the older daughter. That's why I gave you the older daughter. He said, but I'll give you Rachel. He's like, you will? He said, yeah, you worked for me for seven more years. Now, how many of y'all would have said, done? <laughs> You'd have been like, I'm out. I'd have been out like, Three months later, after the first shearing and drenching, I'd have been out, right? But he works for seven years, gets the wrong girl, and works another seven years. And the Bible says that he worked all that time, and it was like days to him because he had such a great love for Rachel. But it doesn't end there. See, now he's got, now he's got two wives, right? He's got two wives, and he wants, like, sorry, got distracted. Uh, after, he's got two wives now. And all of a sudden, he doesn't have anything to give them, right? So he's like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And so Laban's like, I tell you what, man, I'll start giving you some of these goats. I'll keep the black ones and the white ones and all the, the, all the good-looking ones, and if there's any with spots or stripes, I'll give them to you. And he's like, all right, that'll work. But see, then, then Laban starts crawfishing because all of a sudden there starts being a lot of goats with spots, right? And so he's like, well, maybe I'll keep the spots and you just keep the stripes. So all of a sudden there starts being a lot of stripes. And so he's like, well, I'll keep the stripes and you can go back to having the spots. And he just keeps crawfishing. And in Genesis chapter 31, 5 through 13, it gives this story. Now, now you have to understand that, uh, that Laban is not doing very well for Jake and his two daughters. For Leah. You hear me? Okay. We just got news there's a fire in Forest Ridge. It's got a, one building already and it's burning pretty good. So if anybody lives that direction, you might want to check it out. Okay. Sorry for the interruption. Oh, it's all right. It, that's on Road 45. Uh, so it's close. So we'll keep those people in our prayers. Wind's blowing real bad out here today. So, uh, anyway, Laban is not doing very well by his new son-in-law and his two daughters, right? He keeps crawfishing on that. And so, so Jake decides, he's like, hey, man, we're going to get out of here. We're going to go back. And he tells the story in Genesis chapter 31, 5 through 13. 
Jacob says to them, I have noticed that your father is not as friendly with me as he used to be, but the God of my father has been with me. You both know that I have worked as hard as I could for your father, but he cheated me. He has changed my pay ten times, but during all this time, God protected me from all of Laban's tricks. At one time, Laban said, you can keep all the goats with spots. Those will be your pay. After he said this, all the animals gave birth to spotted goats, so they were all mine. But then Laban said, I'll keep the spotted goats, and you can have the striped goats. That will be your pay. After he said this, all the animals gave birth to striped goats. So God has taken the animals away from your father and has given them all to me. I had a dream during the time when the animals were mating, and I saw that only the male goats were the mating were the ones with stripes and spots. The angel of God spoke to me in that dream, and the angel said, Jacob, I answered, yes. The angel said, look, only the striped and spotted goats are mating. I'm causing this to happen. I have seen all the wrong things Laban has been doing to you. I'm doing this so you can have all the new baby goats. I am the God who came to you at Bethel, and there you made an altar, poured olive oil on it, and made a promise to me. Now I want you to be ready to go back to the country where you were born. Man, God is taking care of him, right? And if you want to receive that type of blessing, in order to be blessed, you've got to take the outside and go harder. What do I mean by that? You want to know what the overriding sentiment of that whole story is? Jacob kept his word the whole time. He made a deal. He said, man, you give me your daughter, I'll work for you for seven years. And he did just that, even though he was crawfished on. Man, he got Lee and he's like, man, what do I have to do to get Rachel? He said, work seven years. He worked seven more years. He always kept his word. Nobody said it would be easy. And if you want to go harder, start learning to keep your word. Do what you say you'll do. It ain't easy. There's nothing easy. But God blesses those that keep their word. You want to know the other thing about it? That God blessed, one of the reasons that God blessed Jake so so much with all of that is he didn't complain about it. Even when everything was going against him, he never complained. He just put his head down. He knew that God was bigger than anything, any of the tricks that Laban was trying to pull. He never complained about it. And how many of us today can say the same thing? Man, if somebody looks at us wrong, we're complaining about it. Man, this dude spent 20 years being done dirty, and he didn't really complain about it. In order to be blessed you got to take the outside and go harder. In order to be blessed, you got to go outside and go, take the outside and go further. you got to have a long-range vision of where you want to end up. Man, that journey starts right now. Don't worry about just what's going to happen today. Worry about where you want to spend eternity. In order to be blessed, you got to take the outside and go harder. Keep your word and quit complaining. Man, I know it's hard. Nobody said it was easy. So Jake starts going back. He's been blessed twice. He's been blessed by his, by his daddy, Isaac. What a blessing that was. And then at the same time, now he's blessed by God, and God is making him a rich man. I mean, this dude is wealthy. They might not have had, you know, dollar bills back then, but they measured it in livestock, and this dude is loaded now. Okay? And he also has 11 kids, and so God tells him at the, at the end of that in, in Genesis chapter 31, now I want you to be ready to go back to the country where you were born, it's time to head back. So he gathers everybody up, his two wives, his, their servants, all their, their 11 kids, and, and, and they strike out on this 500-mile journey back, and they get close to home. And so Jake sends his, his, one of his servants to go tell Esau he's coming. Now Esau, man, this dude knows how to hold a grudge, right? So his servant comes back. He said, hey, did you find my brother? He said, I sure enough did. He said, what did he say? Nothing. He's coming with 400 soldiers. 
Uh-oh. Man, if he thought he was in a wreck before with his uncle, or father-in-law, uncle, father-in-law, I don't know what you call him. He's really in a wreck now because his big, strong, mean brother that knows how to shoot arrows and kill bears and Davy Crockett's fixing to come get him, right? And he don't know what to do because there's, I mean, he's not, a, he's not a soldier. He's not a fighter. He's a sheep herder. So what Jake does is he sends everybody across the river and he divides the camp into two. He's like, man, if, you know, if Esau gets here, maybe he'll just think that that's all there is and, and if he attacks one, you know, maybe the others will live. And, and he goes back across to the original camp to be by himself and to talk to God. And while Jake is alone, having sent everyone else away, he doesn't just pray. He cries out to God. And this is what he says in Genesis 32.10. And I want you to remember that. Genesis 32.10. Jake's been blessed by his daddy Isaac. A tremendous blessing. He is be- he's blessed by God financially. But now... The greatest crisis of his life so far has come to pass. And what does Jake do? This is what he says. I am not worthy of the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown to me, who is your servant. I'm not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown to me, your servant. Sometimes it takes a crisis to draw us near to God. A lot, you know, and I, and I say, I, I don't think that God causes those problems. I think our, you know, if Jake wouldn't have cheated old Esau out of his birthright, this might not have been happening. But God allows these things to happen because sometimes we are so hard-headed that it takes a crisis to draw us near to God. And when we do come to that crisis and we are crying out to God, the very first thing that we need to do is humble ourselves just like Jake did. I am not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown to me, your servant. God shows up. God answers his prayer. God shows up, man. God shows up, but he shows up in one of the most remarkable passages of Scripture that's kind of hard for us to understand, but it's an amazing, short, little, I mean, there's not a lot said, but it is amazing because God shows up, but not in an answered prayer. God shows up in human form. God shows up in human form. Jake somehow knows that it's God. And you know what Jake does? I love this, man. He grabs a hold of him. I don't know if he guys get him in a sweat lock or what, but he grabs a hold of him, right? He grabs a hold of him, and he won't let him go. And God in human form is, is, is kind of struggling. I mean, it's God, right? I mean, he could whoop him you know, with a thought. But they struggle, and they struggle, and they struggle. And that is recorded in Genesis chapter 32, in verses 24 through 29. But here's the end result. Jake grabs a hold of God and won't let him go until God blesses him. That's how much Jake knew the power of being blessed, whether it be by his daddy or be it by, by God financially or by God in person. Starting in verse 24, This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Now this man is God. When the man saw that he would not win the match. Now, God could always win the match, but what that means is when, when God saw that Jacob was not going to give up, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and dislocated it, wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. Jacob has wrestled all night with God in human form. God dislocates his hip and says, let me go, man. It's, it, the, the, it's starting to be daylight. Let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
What a powerful testimony that is because most of us, man, we're okay. We're talking about, oh, I'm going to hang on to God until it hurts and then we let go and we quit. But what God loves is somebody that will keep going in spite of the pain. That will keep going no matter what. A type of person that says, I'm not going to let you go, God, until you bless me. That is the power of prayer. That is the power of blessing. What is your name, the man asked. I love it when God asks questions he already knows the answer to. What is your name, the man asked. He said, Jake, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Is that what God is going to say of you? That you have won? Because he's not going to say it if we continue to give up. I know that you're here because you have faith and you've, been, you've heard God's call. Maybe you've logged on by accident or, or whatever. I don't know. But the point is this, that we give up way too easy. And if you're going to take the outside, if you're going to be trusted, if you're going to be blessed with that responsibility, you're going to have to go further. You're going to have to go harder. And you can't give up when it gets hard. You can't give up when it's pain. You don't give up until God blesses you. And he will. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you'll be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied, Then he blessed Jake. Then he blessed Jake. Don't you want to be blessed? I mean, come on. There's a lot of hard things about Christianity, and this is one of those hard ones too. But there's the blessing waiting. And it's not just the blessing of eternal life. It's also the blessing down here that is available to us. But in order to get that, man, you're going to have to go further. You're going to have to go harder. And you can't Keep giving up just when it gets hard. And I know what that's like. You know, we, we can talk all day long about the old get up when you get bucked off thing. But, I mean, that's kind of true. But a lot of us don't. In order to be blessed, you've got to take the outside and never give up. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to grab onto God and don't let go. You know, pain. Pain will push you on or pull you apart. Pain reveals our faith. If you have just a little faith, man, pain will tear you apart. If you decide right here and now that you're going to have faith like Jake had, and you say, you know what, I don't care what happens, I ain't going to let go of God, man, it'll push you towards him, and he'll start blessing your socks off. And isn't that what we want? I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel where we just sit back with welfare worship and just go, well, God, I said I believed in you, so you know, I want a 300 camels and a bunch of spotted goats. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that you need to be willing to go further, that you need to be willing to go harder. You've got to be willing to never give up, never give in. We've talked about how to be blessed by God. And I'm not talking about something that is, is uh, you know, where we can start checking stuff off the list. I'm talking about concepts of what God has blessed in the past and what God has blessed in the past, He will continue to bless in the future. And I hope that I'm encouraging you today to step out in faith that nobody said it would be easy. As a matter of fact, it's probably getting harder, but you at the, you're at the next level, man. It's time to step it up. It's time for you to take the outside. Next week, we'll talk about how these blessings from God can change us. And whatever you do, you won't want to miss that. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, too often we come to you asking to keep us free from problems and suffering, but today we ask that you bring us through it.
Do not hold yourself back from us, God. Now I want to bless all of those that hear the sound of your voice today. I bless everyone listening with abundant crops and calves that bring top dollar. I bless them not with a long life of existing, but a long life of exceeding and succeeding. May their enemies bow down and their friends stand up. Fill hearts with courage, minds with wisdom, mouths with joy, and souls with peace. Let each and every action glorify your name. And may every trail we travel lead straight to you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name.